0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Re Show, where we interview experts to help you understand where technology is headed and how it will impact society as a whole and also your daily life. Thanks so much for learning with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Today, I chat with Jan Fokel, who is part of a Stanford um, kind of polarization lab, and they just did this amazing strengthening democracy challenge that showed a bunch of these interventions, like these, like do or Heineken ads and stuff like that, that can actually decrease polarization by a substantial amount. It's gone up, you know, 20 points in the last 40 years, and this ad kind of decreased it by 10 points um, within a, a small period of time. And then it, it has like some diminishing returns there, where it's like you you get a little bit less polarized, but then like as you get back into the normal media environment, you get re-polarized again. But it's just a really good. Uh, interview, and it shows, I think, a lot of hope for what we... the kind of memetic engineering that we can do as a society. And I think it also shows... Um you know, just a way to do these beautiful mega studies. This was a massive mega study. It was a huge team at Stanford and a bunch of other places. They had 250 submissions. Um, They ran 25 different, 25 of those submissions. Um, So they crowdsourced the submissions and then they crowdsourced the advisor team for who, which submissions actually succeeded. And then they also ran on 32,000 people. Um, And so... It's just like a massive mega study, and I hope to see more both uh, memetic engineering and what can actually nudge us towards less polarized, more positive realities, and also uh, more of these mega studies to be run. So um, I hope you enjoy this episode with Jan, who talks about you know how to decrease polarization and how to run mega studies. Thanks. Hello, Reese's pieces. I'm Reese, the co-founder of Root, and welcome to the Reese Show. The century is a turning point in human history, and I'm here to help you navigate it. I hope you come away with a new understanding of the scientific, technological, and societal trends that are poised to radically reshape our world, and how you can work with those trends to become a live player in building a Solarpunk future. And today, I'm excited to chat with Jan Vogel. Um, Jan is a PhD student in sociology at Stanford University and was one of the leading authors of this amazing Strengthening Democracy Challenge, which is this mega-study identifying successful interventions to strengthen Americans' democratic attitudes. Jan, thanks for being on the show and welcome. Thanks so much for
1: having me. Very excited to to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to dive in. And it was funny, Jan and I were chatting about beforehand. You know, I was I was trying to get his name right, the German. So I got Jan. Jan is easy, but then Vogel, like the the V there is hard for me. Can you say it again back for us, me and our listeners?
1: Sure. Yeah. I would say Vogel.
0: Vogel, Vogel. It's just kind of like an F. Vogel, Vogel. Yes. Um, right. <laughs>
1: like an F. That's right
0: yeah um beautiful and and as a note for our listeners I mean this strengthening democracy challenge yeah so the goal for for you and I and our listeners to understand today is like you know what um essentially that we've 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 been given this internet that is this kind of um reality where there's lots of outrage and polarization and that's kind of natural based off of the attention economy and it's natural based off of the like little homes in our brains that like are triggered by emotions in these different ways but that's not actually what we actually have to have for the long-term future of humanity. We can kind of do some memetic engineering or whatever you might want to call it so that we can make a better social media ecosystem for everybody. And what Jan's work, as Jan and this massive crew of folks, they did, um, you know, it kind of points at a a, a possibility for us to kind of nudge ourselves into the information that codes us to make that information in that media like more positive. And so maybe, um, Jan, just for, for our listeners... You know, could you tell us about um, you know, the overall like setup of the strengthening democracy challenge, uh, and and some of the like learnings that you achieve from it?
1: Yeah, so basically to to start, you know, I am part of a lab at uh at Sta- at Stanford where we are always interested in testing out ideas on like how to change people's attitudes, like um, like we are like very interested in like the uh predictors of, uh, political attitudes of, of moral values. So like when we, like when, uh, a lot of recent events happening in the U S and around the world, you know, we like identified that, like, um, that some of the, the issues with regard to, uh, uh, anti-democratic actions, um, Rising in the nation, that this was such an urgent issue that we wanted to do it a bit differently than than we usually do. And so, like, instead of doing our own, you know, like little study by study approach, what we wanted to do is a, it's a so-called mega study that involves an, an element of crowdsourcing. So, like instead of just like, like a few people in our in our lab trying to think about like how to address this, we wanted to bring in. Everyone from like across the social sciences, from like outside of academia, outside of the ivory tower, like activists, practitioners who are working on this on the field, trying to really leverage the best ideas that are that are out there. But they can also be transformed into scalable interventions, you know, like uh, interventions that are, that are cheap, that a lot of people can be can be exposed to, don't take a lot of time, don't take a lot of effort. So we put out a, an an open call. We had no idea how many responses we would get. In the end, we received like two hundred fifty-two uh, ideas for for strategies um, how to reduce anti-democratic attitudes, support for uh, political violence, partisan animosity, and you know like we were. We were super thrilled about having received so many ideas. However, our funding only allowed us to to test 25. So suddenly, we had a different problem than how to to get from 252 down to 25. And for that, we had a great advisory board of of experts in the field who helped us to identify what we um, conceived of as the most promising uh, strategies. And then we uh, tested 25... Strategies all at the same time in a in a huge experiment with thirty thirty two thousand participants, American partisans who were exposed. Uh, each of them was exposed to a single uh, strategy or like a what we call a control condition. So so a, like um, like, a, like a, a group that we would use for the purpose of comparing the people in the Just Uh, like
0: sending them something that's not even a, it's not like a text or a video. You're just like, Hey, just do this thing that doesn't, that we don't actually think will have an impact. Exactly. Wasting their time.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. And so like
1: that enabled us then to say, you know, like these, these 25 interventions have these effects on what we perceive to be like important measures of of public opinion in the U S and also, because they were all all tested with the same sample, with the same kind of measures in the same time frame, we were able to say not only which one has an effect, but also which one has the strongest effect. So which one is the most promising
0: strategy to
1: potentially apply in, uh, in the field?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I love that. I think that's a great, I mean, so A, I think, and there's a lot of things that we could dive into, but one part is the idea of a mega study. And I just think that that is... As the world gets more kind of Twitter native, network native, where it's like, look, we shouldn't just be doing. Back in the day, it's like, okay, you had like you had like Freud, and you had some, you had his like assistant, and like they would run a study and they'd learn out that, oh yeah, we have penis envy, or you know, it's like that was like that was like two hundred years ago. Today, it's like, okay, we have. There's everybody on the interwebs. And so you can crowdsource it and you can say, great, let's get these 250 submissions. Let's also crowdsource the advisory board. Let's get an awesome list of um, panelists and experts. And then let's um, start to run these things. And, let's, and uh, the other part of the scale, as you said, is 32,000 people where it's like, great, let's have these 32,000 people. And the interventions themselves are also scalable. And so for our listeners, as a side note, like these these interventions, they're things like, um there's like the the two classic ones that people may have already seen are there's a Heineken ad where they um these two um folks it's like um People come into the same uh they come into like a room and one of them is like an anti-trans person the other one's kind of like a trans woman and then then they're just like yo and and and, but then they start to like do some stuff together like they like build a a couch and stuff like that and then they later realize they show videos of them speaking about like anti-transness or whatever and they're like oh man but then what they do is they say hey you can either choose to leave or you can have a beer with the other person they're like yeah let's have a beer and then the people totally get each other it's not like you know the anti-trans person is not like an anti or deep anti he's just like i don't know it's a little bit scary for me and then the trans woman over there is like it's cool you know like I just this is who I am and so they just kind of and there's that video there's this utah one where it's like right and left just saying hey no matter what happens we're gonna like you know solidify this this um this election and then some of the ones are texts i went through a couple of them and i like, tested them out for myself where it's like they're just these text videos that just show you these like perception gaps essentially between the left and the right where you're like oh i'm you know i'm more lefty or whatever so i'm like oh man the right people are the worst they're like you know they probably think probably 90 percent of them don't want anybody to like come into the united states and actually it, they totally don't believe that that's like an extremified version of things so so those it's kind of there's video versions and there's text versions. Do you want to tell us more about the kinds of? Um, I, I want to dive in on the study for a second, then we can get to mega studies and like other long term stuff later. The study. So, so what did we? I mean, we learned that's you know what did you? What are some of the key patterns of the key interventions that actually like worked for people? You know.
1: Yeah. So one of the like overarching points here is that like. You have to be very careful in this space to not put all of the like to not see all of these like different uh, different attitudes as as being the same thing. You know, like we we like you know we, we like weren't sure. You know, like what what is the most important thing to to intervene on? So we offered um submitters three three choices for um for uh, attitudes that they could target and like. And and the main result from our study is that people in our field, you know, like researchers, but also practitioners, know very well how to treat partisan animosity. Like, 23 out of 25 inter- interventions in our study had an had an effect significantly reducing partisan animosity, which you can think of as like dislike for supporters of the of the other party. The most successful strategies there. Were to highlight relatable, likable, exemplar supporters of the other side, and you you just like uh, talked about the the intervention that had actually won the won the whole competition for positive animosity. The the uh, video that that showed that you know people from different sides um, uh, you know can be can be relatable, can kind of pleasant. Uh, interactions with each other that are are respectful.
0: And let me pause you for a second, actually, on that, which is that is just... That is crazy, by the way, that we have this video. It's just like a four minute beer ad, you know, from Heineken. And that of all these you got oh. these researchers who are these like, you know, PhD tryhards or whatever, it's like it's like, wait a second, let's just show this like ad that was like a good kind of good loving ad. And that, that and and it just to me that shows me it's it's both interesting that it's just an ad, but it also shows me the scalability of it, which is like, man, that ad should have been played across the whole world. So so I don't know, we can come back to that in a second, but so in any case, so part of it's a, I what you I heard you say is that the partisan animosity is for you kind of just show that the other side is like a reasonable kind of possibly likable person.
1: Right. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other like big strategy that was very successful was to highlight a uh, a shared identity between Republicans and Democrats. Like one identity that is like very common is like a joint national identity you know like that like democrats and republicans all care about the well being of uh, of america um that was like the the third best performing interventions for partisan animosity and then the second one argued that republicans and democrats to, together actually constitute an exhausted majority who are like often fed information that is trying to make them more polarized, but actually they they have a lot in common in that they want to get along with each other, and they they don't want to be um so so polarized. Hmm. Um, so, like so, these were the two main strategies that stuck out for partisan animosity. For the other outcomes, the the most successful evidence were were quite different. Sure, sure. Dive into
0: that, or do you want to? Yeah, that be no, That's great, cause yeah, and an interesting piece, and and for the folks, there's this great Twitter thread on all this. But like, yeah, there's a there's an image on it, which is like, and, and like, and I know, I think you wrote a Twitter thread on this too. It's like you come in thinking, okay, partisan animosity is going to be the main thing, but then actually, this like support for undemocratic practices, when you look at like the causal, like the coefficients of like how, like the correlations between them, they're not actually that connected somehow or something yeah so tell tell us about what if not partisan animosity but for like support for undemocratic practices or maybe support for partisan violence what kinds of things work there and how are those different because in my mind i'm like oh if you're a partisan then you might just like support violence or something but but yeah. tell me more about that
1: yeah and i think like this is like an assumption that we in the lab had, have actually held for like quite some time that like partisan animosity would have all of these important downstream consequences for for democracy, and it took us, you know, like two two years of like pre testing and like setting up the the challenge to be like, oh, you know, like maybe we maybe we shouldn't assume that, and also really like enable people to just target outcomes like support for un- undemocratic undemocratic practices directly. Like, first of all, maybe for uh, for the listeners, you know, what do we understand as support for undemocratic practices? Well, like, you know. Like, could think of like someone uh intentionally reducing the number of polling stations in in uh, areas that like, typically vote for for the other side or you know, saying that uh if one loses the next election one shouldn't accept the the results of that of that election so or like, like
0: gerrymandering that. or something like that yeah
1: exactly yeah you know like doing doing something that goes against democratic principles yeah. that helps your own party. Yeah. Like that was, that was what we we're trying to to get here. And it's like, like people don't love it, you know, but like people tolerate it sometimes, especially when, when it helps uh, to, uh, to make sure that your own party wins. And um, yeah. And we found that like two or three, like uh, three strategies that are, that promising there are one, this was the most successful one, It's like correct, inaccurate um, perceptions about supporters of the other party. You know, like so Democrats and Republicans both strongly overestimate to what extent um, people from the other side support undemocratic un- un- uh, practices. And that then may create a feeling of, well, If they do it, we may not really want to do it, but we kind of have to in order to to level the playing field. So when you present participants with real information about to what extent supporters from the other side actually support undemocratic practices, that also reduces their own levels of support for undemocratic practices. The other very uh, successful strategy was to highlight the the disastrous consequences of a democratic collapse you know like when you sacrifice democratic principles for potential electoral gain, you're playing with fire, and if that goes wrong, there are actually really bad consequences and that has that has happened in uh, in uh, other countries and you know it may have been pretty Closer to that happening in the in the US as well.
0: Can you give it? What's a specific example of like that happening in other? Like I guess you're just thinking about like oh, in Venezuela or something, or in in Russia. That's like Putin is just like I'm going to be the next person, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. yeah like like exactly. Like there were like pictures that were shown from like Venezuela, from Turkey, from from uh, <laughs> Russia, where like um, certain certain democratic liberties that people have held were taken were taken away, and mm-hmm. so it, it was a it was a video that tried to induce fear and a, and a realization of like what is what is at stake when one sacrifices these democratic principles, and like that, and that also reduced support for undemocratic practices. And then the third strategy is elites coming out and endorsing nonviolent democratic engagement. You have already talked about the, the Utah video, you know, like two <laughs> gubernatorial candidates um, in the 2020 election in, in Utah coming out a few days before the election, um, promoting a joint ad where both of them say, hey, you know, we're going to accept the the results of the election independent of um, who's, going to, who's going to win it and that also helped increasing support for uh for uh sorry helped reducing support for undemocratic practices by like and like that has been shown across many different domains that elites have a lot of power in swaying the uh, the uh the attitudes of the mass public and you know like just as with the stereotypes like Elite cues can obviously also go the other way, right?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah so. I was about to say, yeah. So it's funny. It's like yeah, you have the people being like, we're both going to agree that the election wasn't a fraud. And right. that, and then everybody's like, okay, cool. The election's not a fraud. And then vice versa. It's like hey, somebody, aka Donald Trump, if you know, <laughs> if, if Trump's like, look, this was a fraud election. This was rigged, right. you know, then everybody's like, yeah, I guess it was probably rigged. Then. And so, yeah, it's just like the power of that. It's interesting because I think, yeah, it's like, so that one, it's like, the elites have power there's kind of the um you know the, the the show the downside where it's like look fear you're like look don't don't be a you know there's a slippery slope here um and then the kind of bringing a knife to a gunfight thing where it's like oh if the other side's doing it i'm gonna do it so it's like uh you know like a game gotta respect game and so but if you're like oh actually they don't want to do this either um so how do you huh so so i guess a question that I have about this, and so it sounds like you're able to, if we have this reality where people have less partisan animosity because they like, they see the other side as likable, they see that they're, we're shared Americans, and then they also are not supporting these, um, they're supporting democracy, they're not supporting undemocratic practices because they're like, look, the other side doesn't support it, the elites don't support it, and if we do it, it's bad. Um, then how is, so, so, well, I guess ugh, there's a lot of ways to go from here. The first question I might have is, how so why is partisan animosity not connected to um uh, undemocratic practices
1: yeah that is a that is a great question and i think the the field is like at a point where you know, we're trying to figure that out like um there's been quite some quite some debate uh like, like to what extent partisan animosity is connected to this larger group of uh, anti anti-democratic attitudes. And like one thing that we find like very consistently is that partisan animosity has no relationship with um with um, support for violence at all. Like although you although you may think that you know like dislike is sort of a a precondition for for supporting uh for supporting violence. And like, there were like a few potential uh, explanations. One is that um, support for violence isn't so much rooted in like dislike for the other side, but maybe it's like rooted in like more general personality traits, Um, you know, like (laughs) such as, uh, for example, and like inclination for, for, uh, for aggression, or it is that like, like dislike alone, doesn't really capture it, but you have to measure a, a more extreme version of that. If, for example, there is some evidence that there might be a relationship between dehumanization and violence. Also, like that is like, still being uh, still being uh, investigated. But it seems like in order to to like to to get to violence, you know, like you you may have to go more extreme than uh, than than dislike. When it comes to um, more like specifically un- undemocratic practices. Like um, we actually found some evidence that when you really intervene on partisan animosity strongly, like the the um, interventions in in our studies with the strongest effect reduces by like roughly ten points on the zero to one hundred scale. Okay. You may or may not think that that is a lot, but that is roughly half of the of the increase in partisan animosity that has happened over the last four decades. Um like there's actually quite or like there like when you reduce partisan animosity by that much, you see some effects on uh intention to vote for a candidate who endorses these these un- undemocratic practices. So like it seems like the the path might be w- might be there. It's relatively weak, so you really have to like increase partisan animosity by by, by quite a bit. But when it comes to to <laughs> voting, at least it could be that it that it makes a difference that you know you become more more open for even considering the other side when you think that your own candidate really really isn't that great of a candidate. Um, yeah,
0: but like. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. That, I mean, that's a really interesting. I, mean, I think there's like a, um, yeah, I'm trying to understand all these like causal things are so interesting. I think that that is that that's where we're going as societies, both with with just statistics, both artificial intelligence analysis, like d- this like deeper understanding of like what nudges us in which ways, and which parts of ourselves, genetically and mimetically, like make us do different things. It also that's interesting to note. Yeah, it's gone up by twenty points, but then it's, you're saying it's gone down by ten points by showing someone a Heineken ad. Is that like, but? Is that does that have actually a long term effect on them? Or is it like I see the Heineken ad and like over the last you know four decades I've been getting more and more partisan. I see one Heineken ad and now half of that's gone. Like is that true or like how 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 long lasting is the um lack of partisan animosity?
1: Yeah, like I mean like, like, to be sure, like uh, I I don't think that like seeing seeing the Heineken ad will like uh, de- depolarize your forever like we we did a durability test in the in the study where we followed up with participants uh, two weeks two weeks later and we see that the effects like roughly like 40% of the original effect is uh is still there you know so sure. like so like so, so you could like think of that as like uh instead of reducing um, and animosity by by 10 points, it may now rather be like by like four points or so, which which is like, like, so like if you like spin that further, right, like at some point the the original effect might be gone. So it's like, like I don't think that we should take away from the study. Like you just have to do this one time problem solved. Maybe if you do it twice, you basically have made up for the, for the last (laughs) 40 years. But rather, like this, like tells us that there is a causal effect of like seeing relatable supporters from the other side. And if you, as you have said at the at the beginning in your introduction, if we can change the media environment so that people were actually exposed to these phenomena or, or to like these these impressions more often, that could then have a more durable effect. And you know, obviously, we also have to see whether like they would hold in a like in a in a study that is like designed for like repeated exposure so like a lot of a lot of uh, open questions there but i do think that like it is it is promising to explore that based on our findings
0: yeah i, I totally agree i think and it is i mean it makes sense it's like yes yeah, so it's like we've gotten 20 20 points more partisan animosity um in the last you know four decades. You've reduced 10 of it if you do it, you know, quickly in a um, after watching the Heineken ad. And then two weeks later, that person is like, okay, like I still kind of see a little bit of relatability, but I'm mostly just being pilled by Fox News or CNBC or, or sorry, MSNBC or whoever. Um, and then they are, um, and then, yeah, as you said, it might kind of de- decrease more. But then all this stuff is just a question of, yeah, where it's like, I mean, it's just like from like a Bayesian like um, priors about the world thing. It's just like it makes total sense that we've gotten so much more polarized based off of like what we see, what the other side is doing and what the quote unquote the media is feeding us. And that if you have a different version of media that is kind of feeding you, don't forget, like in addition to bonding capital um, with your own tribe, there's also bridging capital with the other side. Like, don't forget, like that exists. And the other side is kind of reasonable, blah, blah, blah. Um, then people, then that could actually have a long term effect. So what how do you see this? Is this gonna be, um how will this actually change like the platforms themselves? They've been kind of like a, and the way I think about it is like the platforms have been focused. First, it was just like, great, we're going to post whatever we want because that's how we get around like, um, you know, copyright laws and blah, blah, blah. And so, and then, and then it was like, oh man, there's all these harms. And so they had to spin up all these massive teams, both artificial intelligence and human. to like, you know, turn all the knobs to make sure that the harms were not happening as much. And they did a really good job where it's like, you know, the terrorist groups on Twitter or whatever, they get taken down within like the first 24 hours, almost all the time. However, we're, 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 so we've like decreased the quote unquote disinformation by adding friction in various ways, but we haven't necessarily like added back in these more positive elements or something. And so how do you think about how some of your, the stud that the, the learnings from strengthening democracy challenge might be actually implemented into social media platforms?
1: Yeah, I think that like, I think there were several actors who could use our uh, our results to like drive them to to impact. And I think social media organizations are certainly certainly one of them by, um, by promoting content more that, uh, that, you know, like corrects uh, inaccurate in stereotypes and those, you know, like what people see in their, in their news feeds, like it could also, you know, like make it, make a decision to, um, you know, if, elites put out certain statements like promote those um, those more strongly especially like when they are uh, bipartisan right i mean like, it's like always always tricky for uh, for organizations to like do something that is a, that is not bipartisan but like you know like if we can find enough enough candidate who would be willing to uh, to put out such a such a statement there could be Promoted very very heavily on uh, on social media, you know. I mean, the, the Heineken ad video <laughs> went went pretty viral uh, uh, a few years ago. So I do think that there is a lot of uh, potential. In general, you know, I think our results give you a toolbox and like handbook to see, you know, like what do I want to intervene on, like what are some <laughs> some principles that I could try to apply so you know if you are like a practitioner uh, you know who's like trying to like put together your own app like you know, what are the what are the overarching themes that I that I want to achieve well you know like, if you can like correct in in accurate stereotypes about out partisans with your content that is like probably a pretty promising strategy you know and also like we we have a bunch of findings that like tell you like what, what not to do, you know, because they have backfiring effects because like sometimes you know, like even like brilliant ideas can actually like turn out like badly in the real world. You know, like, that's a, that's a drama of a PhD in the social sciences that oftentimes your, your ideas like don't work out and you don't know what to do with that. So like, for example, the, the video that i was talking about earlier highlighting the disastrous consequences of, of democratic collapse also included a part about the attack on the Capitol um, from from january 6 and we found that among you know among it like reduced support for undemocratic uh, practices more strongly among our democratic participants than among our republican still had a reduction a reduction for Republican participants as well but actually had a backfiring effect on Republican participants for support for violence so it increased support for violence among Republican participants we can't really say why our best guess is sort like that it like leg- <laughs> legitimized um violence like we are we' are like uh, showing showing that content so you know, to like to like try to be aware of like what kind of principles you know could have surprising effects is another thing that i think would be it's very important to consider when one is tr- trying to drive these results to, to impact
0: yeah that's interesting i think one for me the um it's just like the thing to stay away from is to not ever um touch anybody's confirmation bias or their own identity and things or just like you know it's like okay you already believe the and you're like da, da, da. we're not hating on you right now all that we're doing is just talking about how the other side might be actually reasonable or how you actually share something with the other side or how you know the elite so it's like doing that feels more okay than being like pointing at the person being like you you know uh-huh um, you can kind of like point at the other person so is there a like let me let me ask like a different i know you're kind of you know you're both uh you're a phd student so you're kind of new to this world and and just also for our listeners for 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 context here it's like yeah jan was a crucial um like when you think about and i don't know all the, the the work i mean this was years of work with tons of logistics where you're just like getting in tons of different people and like making sure that it went well so thank you for doing that and that's amazing um and and and, and jan is there a but like pushing out of maybe even using your phd background but also like you know, doing a little bit of experimental kind of dreaming. If you were to like design a feed, let's say there's this new, you know, feed out there called, you know, face Twitter or, you know, Google book or something, you know, like what does that, if you wanted to actually make it more generative and towards kind of like positive things, like what, what would be your optimal version of what that tweet, that feed would look like?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a great question. Like, dreaming about like uh what would happen uh, if you would you know, like one of uh another member of our team had this idea of like writing something about like uh if i could run facebook for for one day you know, like what would i do um uh yeah so so like i think like like what i would try to like design is like that people just see the full picture you know so like like if there was like if like content gets yeah, yeah. gets added for um for uh for a new issue yeah, yeah. instead of like seeing some like well well written emotional post about that it it might be more more valuable to actually like show like a diagram of like what's the like what's the like distribution of responses from from People just to give you a, a bit more context about like, like what does really the entire group um, think about a certain uh, event instead of just like like making that general generalization from like uh, a few tweets or so, and then the other thing, um, you know, that is like, uh, yeah, you know, I think that like, um, this is like not so much social media, but you know, if I was a powerful donor, uh, like to, to political campaigns, and, like I would like, like make campaign contributions conditional on on a few basic principles. You know, I would like, you know, I would love to like uh I would love to see my candidates like do do a video like the two candidates uh, in Utah did, and you know if we. Like if 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 campaign contributors could like match their, their candidates like promoting such content I think like I think yeah, that that would be worth a
0: lot I love both. both of those seem really smart where it's like look you just have a um well so the distribution one I think is great I mean in the whole world um, for me, this world of like prediction markets and Metaculous and things like that that are looking at, that look at distributions of those are, or the, those are like percentage chances that things are going to happen in the future. Those are really helpful to say, like, instead of being like, you know, at the beginning of COVID, January, February, March, 2020, it was like, You know, go looking at those places was really helpful because it was like instead of instead of saying, "Oh, COVID's not a big deal" or "COVID is going to be a massive deal," you get to look at the distribution. You know, and so looking at the distribution is really helpful. I think similarly for for people, where instead of just being like, "Oh," Here goes this other democratic, lefty, kind of crazy social justice warrior. And here's this righty, MAGA, Trumper, blah, 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 blah um who's just doing their thing again. And instead, you're like, oh, wait a second. Whenever that little thing shows up, you get to see a C little thing next to it that says, as a reminder, this is being optimized for you because that's the way the feed optimizes things that so it wants to look at the other side but actually if you look at the graph most of the people are just living a normal life being normal like reasonable people um so that seems great um and i love the distribution idea and the distribution gets at the perception gap it gets at and in, in a lot of the um the interventions that you guys had it, had it had these like distributions where you just get to look at both sides and see how they actually like align on stuff then the other one is interesting the youtube one or that the kind of doing a campaign ad where it's like yeah wow what an amazing that would be just such a it's like hey look you at least have to be like we're and and it requires people to think in terms of one America and one country and stuff but like look just to like be with the person on the other side to treat them as a reasonable person to do something with them that where you're like coming at versus obviously i'm just reminded of um majory taylor green who is like a you know a kind of a, a crazy um woman on the right she um you know biden had this kind of uh antagonistic speech earlier day and then she tweeted a thing that like made him she gave him like a little hitler mustache and like put the stuff in the background and made it like nazi symbols and stuff and like that's obviously the opposite of like what it means to like look at the other side and be like we actually both support each other or whatever um so interesting okay is there a so i kind of get a vibe there do you think well and let me let me ask another question here which is when you think fundamentally about um quote-unquote what's gone wrong and what we need to for it to go right i think that like your distribution idea is good and the kind of money idea is good but from like a what's gone wrong idea and i think like deeply systemically like root problems here it's like how why are we in this hyper polarized place with a very unresponsive government in various ways and a kind of gridlocked vetocracy, And how would we kind of escape from that? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Like, I think like we have, you know, I mean, we, we only address like one, one angle on this whole, on this whole problem, right? which are just like, we, we focus on public, opinion you know like how to change attitudes and you know the and the way from from attitudes to actually seeing changes in the in the real world is like so like a, a pretty far one like i would say that you know like the the path to like voting for for undemocratic un- uh, candidates like that's the like number one path for like that like almost anyone who is uh, who's eligible to to vote a. uh, uh can take right like really prioritize democratic principles um like when you when you're thinking about like like for for which for which candidate um should i vote like in terms of like what what did us lead here like i think like one prominent theory is that like um or like 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 a trend that we saw was that like elite, elite polarization happened before polarization in the mass public. So like, while it, it used to be the case that um, there was quite a bit of, of, of overlap between the two parties, you know, they were like, like a liberal Republican, conservative Democrats, like the, the two parties have like very much polarized over time, which makes it harder to like, to like, uh, make the make the switch uh, over to the other side, and then you know like creates this whole. And then you know, combined with a with the primary races, allows like way more extreme candidates to like to make it uh, to make it into to Congress, asking m- more difficult questions to like to like partisans, right? Like if it is like, like if uh, if you have to make the choice between either a, like undemocratic candidate from your own party or like someone from the other side, whom you really don't like, like that's that may not be a, an easy choice for like a lot of people. There's also evidence that our, that like that the partisan identity has become way more important over the last few decades in the sense that it has become more connected to other important identities, uh in our lives you know like um you know like the 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 democratic party may may send now more for like certain certain gender groups like certain certain ethnic groups and for and for certain religious groups and like like all of those identities being being tied together also like makes it way harder to 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 really consider the other side uh as a, as a choice. And that, you know, like, and that gives elites, a, a lot of power.
0: Um, yeah, those are, those are both interesting. I think that there's like, um, well, hey, yeah, this question, as you say, it's like, okay, just purely, I'm, I'm kind of a maximalist on like, uh, information codes humans, and then humans go out and do things. And so it's like, oh, if we just change the attitudes, we change reality, but actually there's there's more to it. And as you say, I think that the, both those things about why polarization exists is pretty interesting because I think we're kind of used to the narrative of, oh, social media polarized everybody. But in fact, it's like, no, there was elite polarization first and then the rest of it was kind of downstream. And so it's like, oh, if we're able to kind of somehow make elites less polarized, which then gets to all the, the, their kind of incentives for like the kinds of roles that they can play Um is uh, t- so making less polarized elites. And then also the, like just the identity kind of collapsing where it's just like, there's, you know, quote unquote flyover States with left behind Republicans. And then there's like coastal elites, you know, and it's like, that's kind of, and all the, all the demographics, they all just kind of line up with each other now. And so that's like, there's a huge correlation. So that the identities kind of get baked in in a sad way um yeah so let me ask let me ask maybe two other questions here and then and then to wrap well so so one is um so what's happening you know and and i think and i like like the way i want to ask this is like i know you are a um you know you're in sociology and and so tell me what's happening like sociologically when we think about like what's going on in people's minds and confirmation bias and blah blah. like 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 What's actually happening behind the scenes that's making people polarize and then that's also kind of decreasing their partisan animosity? Are there like kind of frameworks that we can use to understand, like from a sociology perspective, what's happening there? Hmm.
1: Um. Yeah, that is a. Yeah, that is a. That's a. Yeah, yeah. Interesting question. Like, I think like if I put my sociology hat on, like, like, like it's like the, the problem like is like uh, um, sociologists perceive problems as like, like structural problems more than, more than, more than individual (laughs) level problems. Right. So like, like like um common things to like think about then um would be like a like a, uh, like the 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 way that that um that the political system is uh, is structured in the U.S. You know with uh, with two parties so you only have the have the choice between uh between two poles then um then you know, like you can like you can win in the, you can win an election without winning the, the popular vote so you actually like it is like it is uh, yeah, sufficient to to play to a certain a certain base that doesn't even need to be the majority and like and um true reforms are, are so difficult because there are so many hurdles that you would need to pass in order to like you know also just like like give all of the people who know like, may may not support und, democratic candidate access to the to the ballot box and like make sure that 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 everyone everyone votes right so yeah but i'm uh yeah uh I think, like yeah
0: i think it's an interesting way yeah because like sociologically it's like it's an interest it's like you know, I think, you know, psychologically, it's like what's happening in the brains of the individuals and then sociologically, it's like, okay, how are the groups of individuals working here and how are they kind of, you know, you know, you know, using groups to bind and blind them uh, away from other people? How are they using, um, how is the kind of the structure, the kind of um, institutional governance structure. How is that like leading to this? So that's that 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 makes some sense in terms of like thinking in terms of group dynamics is like the frame to put on. Um, let me ask one other question here, which is: Is there a um? So designing meta studies. I mean, so you you did this amazing thing of designing these meta studies. If there are any, you know, for the listeners out there who are you know in academia and who are thinking about instead of just running their own little thing, it's like just instead of running your own study, how to kind of crowdsource with the crowd to do this. to to run an actual meta, um, you know, meta study or mega study, sorry. Um, Do you have any recommendations for folks who might be wanting to run a mega study for what they should do?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like, um, first of all, you know, I want to say that I think it's really exciting to be able to like work on a mega study because I think, you know, you can work on a project that is like, that goes beyond the scale that one can typically work on in in grad school um like the 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 like most important thing i think is to like pick a problem that you that like one cares about and one knows one will also care about in in a few years and that like like it is a good is a good target in the sense that like like you think that it's worth for a lot of people to spend time on trying to influence that that target or try to explain that target, right? So, like for example, for us, like, like we like first talked of partisan animosity, then you know, after we had found in some of our pretests that partisan animosity isn't that related to anti-democratic attitudes, or might be at least like this law lo- this link isn't as strong as we had previously talked. We were like, "Hey, you know, like, is it really worth it to like do all of this big tournament just on partisan animosity?" And so we we decided to switch to include some other um, targets as well. And then like uh, another big big lesson is that you know you can only do these studies as a team. You know that that goes by itself with regard to the crowdsourcing aspect you know and i think it's like important to design the project in a way that other people find and like get ownership on uh, the project as well that starts with like authorship guidelines for example if you're in the like nerd space of uh, of of academia but also like you know like like make sure that the the environment that you're creating for this mega study is something that that resonates with other people too because in the end, you're like very dependent on them, like providing their ideas and trusting you with their ideas. So you know you also like want to create an environment that is that is meaningful for them, and then you know team up like with a with a bunch of people on the logistics so that you don't have to do it all yourself. And there, I want to say a big shout out to my co-leaders of the of the project, Nick Segnarro and and James Chu, who. Like who I think always had this great mindset about the project in terms of like like we are like here to like make this work and like that sometimes means that we have to like, put ourselves back at the and the team first in order to uh, to make this project happen and yeah you I mean, know like, we had like three great PIs on the on the project and Jamie Drakman from from political science Dave Rand who was at the uh, MIT um, um, Sloan School of management and uh, and what uh, and, uh, was the was the main person be ran the project in, in sociology at Stanford so like, like the, the three of them all having their big visions for for the project and also like you know, bringing in different networks of people who could contribute with their different field backgrounds that was really helpful. And then you know, like the like all of the like all of the staff in the lab, um, Sophia, Pink, Joe, Joe Mernick, um Crystal, Wade Cop, who have like done a lot of the on the ground work with uh, with Nick, James, and I. Where you know like, a lot of late night emergency calls and like uh, and like cleaning things up and like testing stuff for the like hundred. Uh, time so yeah like there's a there's a lot of work and 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 infrastructure to be to be needed um but but it feels great that like when one really like puts all of these components together i think that that like we can help to move a field forward in in a different way than like than a a, a single study or even a single research program can
0: yeah no i love that exactly it's like you can either do a little study and it might have an impact, or you can do a mega study, which is going to take more time, more people, more effort. But but it it plays out. It's also funny, yeah, because it it sounded like you you kind of turn into a, an award speech. You're like, I'd like to thank you know Nick and James, you know my great you know in the trenches. I'd like to thank the PIs. <laughs> and it, no, it's great though because everybody did had a huge part of this massive study. And so finding ways to get ownership authorship all those things are crucial um but the final little round here is i'd love to ask and by the way if anybody you should do mega studies if you you know um you know and if you want to hit up jan to ask how he did his ask him you know um i want to ask two quick overrated underrated so i'm going to say a thing and then you're going to tell me and you know 15 or 30 seconds you're going to say whether it's overrated or underrated and then and then a quick bit on why Um, and so the first one is do you think the impact of the internet Versus the impact of media, traditional media, um, is it? I guess, yeah. Is the is the impact of the internet overrated or underrated compared to traditional media?
1: Oof. Um, based on the research that I know, like I would say, like maybe overrated, like. Like, like not so much that the impact is actually overestimated, but I think people sometimes underestimate the impact that that traditional media are still, yeah, still has.
0: Yeah, great. Yep. I agree with that. Um, and then what about, um, do you th- what about using social media platforms as the actual like theory of change, the lever for change and changing kind of like our information ecosystem? Do you think that's overrated or underrated?
1: Like I think oh, yeah, it's tricky. Um I would say that it might be Yeah. It's tricky. I would say I would say underrated and, and explain what I mean. Like I think that like you know I think that like it might not be the best way to to intervene because one just like doesn't have a lot of power over like over, over what to do. You know, like our team has zero power over like whether Facebook or Twitter is going to use our findings Um, and you know, like the, the the number of, of people who are going to make that decision is very small. So I don't think that it's very, very democratic or like great for like societies to, to, live in that space but like i think that if we can shift like um part of the part of the conversation to like how we can work within these organizations in order to like make things like gradually uh better you know i do think that, that that is a that that is a take that that deserves a lot of attention
0: yeah great love it um well thank you again jan for 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 coming on the show and for also for for doing the strengthening democracy challenge if any if listeners want to learn about it you can just go to strengtheningdemocracychallenge.org you can look at um that i mean the coolest thing that you can look at is you can actually do these interventions and you can be like oh wow this is the one that had this impact this is the one that had this impact so that's like really fun and interesting and also if you want to check out jan on twitter he is y g uh, uh focal which i can now say better um why so sorry so it's yeah j g sorry j g not y g um j g and then v o e l k e l um jan is there anything else you'd like to uh tell our listeners today
1: no uh thanks so much for uh, for having me <laughs> I, had a, I had a lot of fun talking to you about this
0: yeah me too it was great uh well thank you again jan and thank you listeners for listening goodbye everybody Thanks so much for listening today. If you like the show, please give us a five star podcast review or subscribe on YouTube. And if you'd like to chat about this episode with the community of amazing, smart, ambitious, divergent people, come on by and join our Discord. You can find it at root.co. That's R O O T E.co. And then finally, if you'd like to contribute to these ideas being shared more widely in society, You can support the podcast production team at patreon.com slash Lindmark. That's patreon.com slash r-h-y-s-l-i-n-d-m-a-r-k. Thank you so much.